Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles. I am Donnie, your host, and with me is a man that says... Horror movies doesn't scare him as much as five missed phone calls from his wife. Ooh, that's <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a hell of a movie there. <laughs> you missed five calls. Yeah. <laughs> Get your ass on the ball. She'll be a horror movie any day, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's going on, man? Oh, man, ready to do an episode in this stormy weather. Oh, it is scary out there, isn't it? Just a little bit. It's, it's ominous. Ooh, big word. Yeah, what does ominous mean? I don't know. Go outside and look. You'll see. That's what it is, huh? Yeah. All right. It's like an omen-ness. Ominous. Just spelled different. Yeah. Means with a different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> you got any shout outs for us today, dude? Oh, man, do I. Oh, I'd like to give a big shout out to uh, Tat Girl 72 She gave us a five-star uh, review, rate and review on Apple Podcast. And uh, she's from up there in Alberta, Canada. And, man, we really appreciate that. And uh, it was a really good uh, review and uh, really put us over. We appreciate it. Yep, absolutely. And I'd like to... Uh, Ooh, we got a few here, Donnie, because I just want to give a few names. Uh, Jody Standridge, Erica Huffstetler, Jacob McDaniel, Brittany Mathis, Melissa Pearson, and all about 95 other people who shared last week's uh, episode to get the word about about Sandy, man. And we really appreciate it, and I'm sorry I can't name everybody, but I figured I'd do a little more than usual, and then all you other guys, that was just awesome. Yep, and a special shout-out to uh, – Chris Knight for uh, joining us last week on uh, an interview with uh, talking about his dad, missing dad, Sandy Knight. Yeah, that was awesome for him to come on here and really open up and tell the story, man. And we just, with everybody's sharing and everybody's listening, and surely somebody knows something. Maybe we can get some answers for him and his family. It's well deserved. Absolutely. All right, man. So right. Uh, I think that takes care of all our stuff. All right. We want to remind everybody to uh, check out our website, check out our social media, Facebook, Instagram. Check out our store page, get you a t-shirt, get you a mug, and and please go on to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Give us a five-star rating. Yeah, do like that, girl. That was cool. It really does help, and you get a shout-out. You will. I promise. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you uh, get some merch, please send us a photo with you and your merch, and we will put it up on our socials. Yep. We'll brag on you. Yep, and we will share it. <laughs> All right, dude. We're going to get into our episode. <clears throat> All right. What's going on in this ominous, scary day? We have a scary story. Ooh. And it is uh, the story of James Urban Rupert. Rupert. That's and, scary already. Yeah. And this is the Easter Sunday Massacre. Because hmm. we have Easter coming up, so we thought we'd do an Easter story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. James Urban Rupert was born on April 12th, 1934 in Hamilton, Ohio. It'll make him 86 years old today. Yeah, right. We've seen a couple places where it was reported March 29th, but we're going with April. And he was born to parents Leonard Rupert and Charity Rupert. Charity. Yep. And he had an older brother, Leonard Rupert Jr. Good old Leonard. Yep. 
Good that, was a, that was almost almost my name, Leonard. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! Thank you, Mama. I appreciate you not letting that happen. <laughs> yeah. Now, talking about Rupert's early life. Now, it was trouble from the get go. Right. Well, he was the second son. Yeah. And little Leonard Jr. was the angel of all angels, apparently. Yeah, he he could do no wrong, Leonard right. Jr. Yeah, and uh, Charity really wanted a daughter, so she, that didn't help it. She even told him that. Yeah. She wanted a daughter. He was a mistake. Basically, Pretty much. Basically, he was the mistake. Yep. So, you know, that's going to make him feel good right off the bat. Yeah, it wasn't good at all. Not only is he not the golden child, but he's a mistake and should have been a girl. And, Sorry, I didn't wake up on you. And it didn't help in matters much at all because he was very short in stature. Yep. He was a very small child, and even in full adulthood, he only stood at five foot five. Yep, about one hundred thirty-five pounds. Yeah, so a pretty small guy. Yeah, yeah. He he wasn't. It wasn't good for him at all. Right. They lived in like a barn, kind of barn-shaped building, but no water, no running, no running water, no electricity, no nothing. Just a, just a building. <laughs> yeah, basically, way yeah. it sounded to me, just a building. And uh, they raised uh, like chickens and uh, pigeons and stuff, and then. When uh, James Young, he got a pretty bad allergies and uh, asthma. Yeah. And he was allergic to feathers and dirt and dust and stuff. And that was their livelihood, so he couldn't help out at all. No, so he was, and then he couldn't do no sports or do nothing because all that was going on. So it just made him more of a weakling in his daddy's eyes who basically told him he was a failure. Yeah, and his daddy was a hard disciplinarian too. Yeah, he whooped that ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, di- he didn't hold back. And when James was 12 years old, his daddy died. Right. And he he died of tuberculosis. Right. And Leonard and James, they had to grow up quick. Right. And this would put Leonard Jr. about 14. Yeah. And it was even reported that Leonard and his mom would beat James. Yeah. And she even wanted him to do it for some reason. Yeah. We're not talking just like brothers, you know, wrestling or fighting in the yard, just whatever. He would... Take him and tie him up and put him in the closet and then beat him with a hose and set on his head and, I mean, make him cry. Just, I mean, all kind of torturous stuff. Not, yeah. Not tormented. just regular, you know, run-of-the-mill brother stuff. Yep. <laughs> but, yeah, Leonard Jr. pretty much became the father figure of the family. Right. And just picked on weak James. Yep, the whole time. Yep. And when James was 16, he ran away from home. Yep. And... Tried to commit suicide. Yeah, he tried to hang himself with a sheet. With a bed sheet. A bed sheet, yeah. And, but, but it, didn't, it didn't work, so he had to go back home and. Yeah. Back to face that. Yeah. Now, in, by 1975, uh, James was pretty jealous of his older brother. Yeah. Uh, his brother Leonard had went on to college and got a degree in electrical engineering. Right. Yeah, in the meantime, Rupert himself was dropping out of college after two years. Yeah. Though he did train to be a draftsman, I don't. I don't think he could really hold down a job very long. No, he. Uh, I don't know if it was because he didn't show up, or just he was bad at it, or he just didn't want to do it. I don't know. I think he might have just been a little bit lazy. Maybe. But you know, all this talking about James, you know, his younger life. I think it affected him mentally. Oh yeah. Going into, you know, teenage years and going into adulthood. Well, he was the weakling. He was the little whatever they called him. I think that was somewhere I read. He was the pansy boy or whatever. Yeah. You know, I don't know how that term's good today, but that's what you know. They said they would call him names, and then they beat him up and put him in the closet and told him he was worthless and he was a mistake, and he was just small in stature, and he had to take it. I mean, you know, it's just all this is building on him. You know, it can't be good. Mm-mm. 
And then he, on top of that, he had his medical issues, so he couldn't do anything. And he really couldn't fight back. He couldn't, he really couldn't breathe, you know, especially around all the chickens and stuff. Yeah. But uh, Leonard had married a woman by the name of Alma. Right. And it was reported that Alma was a former girlfriend of James. So that's another slap in the face. Yeah. And they had eight kids together, which was another slap. Yep. Yep. But yeah, Leonard, you know, he, he got married to Alma, and he had got a job at working for General Electric. Right. I guess making really good money. Yeah, they had their own home. They, had in a, they were living in Fairfield. Yeah. And I think uh, James's mom had pretty, was pretty frustrated because he couldn't hold down a job, and all he was doing was drinking all the time. But uh, he had, you know, he had had some money previously, but he lost all his money in the stock market crash in 73. Mm-hmm. And then I think he had borrowed some money from his mom and from his brother, but then he wouldn't work. So she was kind of getting fed up with that because all he did was hang out at the bar. And drinking beer and seven drink. days a week. Yeah, and come home. And finally, I think she's basically, if you got the money to drink, you got money to pay rent. Either that or you're going to get out. You're going to straighten up. Which, you know, that's probably the first time she ever said anything to him that made sense. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I can see your point there. Absolutely. Now, we're getting up to uh, March 29th of 1975. Yep. Now, it had been reported that witnesses had seen James target shooting. Yeah. About a month before, you know, he'd been, you know, going and buying ammunition. I think he was, you know, he started messing with guns and stuff, and he'd been out target shooting and stuff like that. Even it was reported later that he would have even inquired on a, a silencer for some of his weapons, which is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would go down to the Great Miami River. It's a, a river that flowed right there through near Hamilton, Ohio, where they lived. Yeah. And he would target shoot down there at the river. Right. Taking he'd take his, what, his 357 Magnum down there and do some shooting. Yeah, put 38s in it. Right, yeah. Cheaper. Yeah. Now, just the night before Easter, which was Easter was on March 30th of 1975. This was the night before. James went out like he did Dale every night. Right. And he went to this bar that he went to. It's called the 19th Hole Cocktail Lounge. Yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and he got to talking to a, a barkeep there, an employee by the name of Wanda Bishop. Yep. And she was a 28-year-old mother of five. And she would later testify in court that James told her he was frustrated with his mother's demands all the time. Yeah, so he's probably getting ill that she's on his ass about money. Yeah, and even threatening to evict him. Mm-hmm. And saying, James kept saying that he needed to solve the problem. Now, according to this Wanda Bishop, James stated that his mother had complained that, if he, like Dale said, if he could afford to buy beer seven nights a week, he could afford to pay rent. Right. Yeah, but that makes sense. Yeah. Somebody's living in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and they're drinking all the time and ain't helping out. Right, yeah. If you can't afford to pay me and I'm helping you out, but you yeah, you can afford to be going all the time and drinking beer. We yep. need to talk. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, James had left the bar about 11 p.m. that night, but he returned later. Right, which is kind of strange. Yeah, it? don't know where he went or anything. And when Wanda Bishop asked him if he had solved the problem, he just replied, no, not yet. And then he went on to stay there until they closed her down about 2.30. Yeah. Yeah. So he stayed till closing time. Now, this is leading up to Easter Sunday on March the 30th, 1975. Right. Now, that morning, James's mother, Charity, had went out and hid Easter eggs in the yard because uh, everybody was coming over later. Yeah. 
his uh, Leonard, uh, his wife Alma, and the eight kids. And they were going to have a supper that day because uh, they went out earlier to church that morning. And then they went to Alma's family for lunch. Yeah, Leonard and Alma. Yeah, yeah Leonard yeah. and Alma. Went to her family. They went to the church. And then had, I think they had a big dinner over there with her family. And then they were coming over to charities later. Yeah. Yeah. So she'd gotten ready for the kids and hid Easter eggs for them so they'd be ready when they got there. Right. And this was about 4 p.m. on Easter Sunday, and James had slept all day. Right. And he woke up about 4, and he loaded a three fifty seven Magnum, uh, two twenty two caliber handguns, and a rifle. Right. Now, I think when he woke up, he had, you know, they were cooking downstairs, and he had been, he probably had heard them outside, you know, doing Easter egg hunt and stuff like that, so... He might have been a little ill that they didn't come wake him up and tell him to invite him into the family, you know, into the fold, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just sleeping off a drunk. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Maybe he just woke up. You know, he said he was going to go uh, do some target shooting. Yeah. But Charity was in the the kitchen preparing something to eat. Yeah, they were making uh, Sloppy Joe's, man. Yeah, Sloppy Joe's on Easter Sunday. Well, I guess if you get eight, eight kids to feed, you know, and uh, – guess half of them already had their big dinner somewhere else so they whoop up some sloppy joes yeah <laughs> now when james had went downstairs uh he got to talk to his brother leonard yeah just to backtrack a little bit dale james had this conspiracy theory that leonard was trying to sabotage stuff for him yeah he was in, in his mind you know i don't know if he was in some kind of depression or, or whatever or whatever causes this but yeah he was thinking it was Lots of conspiracy stuff going on and sabotage, even as far as having the FBI following him. James wouldn't even talk on the phone there or at the bar or anywhere because he thought they were constantly uh, tapping the phones and following him around trying to figure out, you know, what was what was going on with him. And even small things like if something was happened to his car, he thought somebody was, you know, going out there and sabotaging it. Tampering with it. Yeah. Yeah. So he was already really... To put it in his mindset, he was really paranoid, you know, plus depressed, and then that childhood on top of that. So, you know, he's got a lot of stuff going on in his head, and mm-hmm. he stays drunk all the time. That's not helping him. No, that alcohol's working on him. Right. Like I said, that day when James went downstairs, Leonard asked him, so how's the Volkswagen running? Right. Me and you talking, you know, how's the car running? You know, it's just normal talk. Right, and I'm sure Leonard didn't mean nothing about it. But James took it as... He's just poking the bear. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you asking about my car? Mm-hmm. So he's thinking, oh, well, damn, this shit is true. He really is messing with my stuff. So, so I think that, that flipped his switch, I think. Yeah, I think that was the... The last barrier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So James went into the kitchen, and first he shot and killed his brother, Leonard. Right. So he went downstairs carrying all them guns, you know. Yeah. I think he walked down and laid his rifle up against the refrigerator. and He was probably just talking because they thought he was going outside target shooting but when he mentioned that car he just turned around and shot him in the head yep and first he shot his brother yep and he killed his brother leonard then he shot his sister-in-law alma right and his mother yeah and it said his mother can you know kind of lunged across the kitchen to try to get to him and he shot her in the head she, yep. did, she didn't get to him in time yep and once he shot them and they were down he turned and shot them all again like he would knock him down and then shot them all. Like, and he shot Leonard again in the head, and he shot Alma again, and he shot his mother again in the head. Yep. The only, the only difference in, in the three is he shot Alma in the heart. Yeah. Which is kind of significant. You know? Yeah. She was, she was the only one he shot in the heart. Right. Yeah, which is kind of weird, you know, her being an ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, kind of crazy. 
And then next he took the life of his nephew, David, and his nieces, Teresa and Carol. Mm -hmm. And all these people were in the kitchen. Yep. And then James then went into the living room where he killed his niece, Anne, and his four remaining nephews. Yeah, Leonard III, Michael, Thomas, and uh, John. Yep. Mm. And one child had been shot in the chest, and the remaining ten victims had been shot three times, I guess to make sure they were dead. Mm. And the only sign of a struggle at the whole house was an overturned trash can. Right. And I, I knew we kind of flew through that, but this is some pretty rough stuff. But and all in all, he, he had uh, shot 35 times. Yeah. And it's just, I think one one of the young girls uh, was shot trying to run out the back door, but the rest of them seemed like they were just there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, that's crazy to me. Yeah. And James has spent, it's been reported either three or four hours just in the house. Right. And all this, you know, the shooting was over in five minutes. Yeah. He had shot, you know, I, I didn't know what, but I, had, I heard somewhere that he had revolver. So at least he had to reload each once, I mm-hmm. would say, you know, you know, to get that many shells or that many shots. But, man, shooting those kids, man, that is, I don't know. It's just, I can... I know it's not not good to say, but I can kind of see why he would, you know, have have his mom and his brother in his head that they had to go. But all those kids, man, mm-hmm. it's, it's just awful. Yep. Especially on Easter Sunday, dude. And they've been reported that he spent at least three to four hours just in the house. And some people had said he'd contemplated committing suicide. Yeah, and I, I heard that. And then uh, it where I said that he just knew that was a mortal sin, and he just finally decided he couldn't do it. Yeah. I guess killing 11 other people don't really count but yeah what the hell yeah he's he was definitely mentally disturbed no doubt yeah. about it so it's, it's really crazy and so i guess he just he spent all that time and then he finally just called the police yep and depending on what you believe either called him and said he's dead she's dead they're dead or someone's been shot here it's that's all hearsay but he never admitted to it or no he never said he shot nobody yeah right and what he did, you know, all that time, he did go upstairs and clean up and change clothes and everything. And when the cops got there, he was just standing in the doorway waiting on them. Mm-hmm. But they said there was so much blood there that the blood actually soaked through the floorboards. Into the basement. Yeah. yeah. There was so much blood. Whew. Yep. The murders shocked the town of Hamilton, Ohio, yes. and pretty much the entire country. Yeah, speaking of shocking, man, this is like the, one of the uh, police reported it. One of the worst things he saw was when he came in, he saw little John Rupert, who was four, on the couch laying there, been shot in the head, and in his right hand was a half-opened, like the full had been peeled back on a chocolate Easter egg. Man. So he shot him while he was just peeling candy. Yeah. My God. Yeah, he didn't care, man. No, no. I'm sure that that probably. I tell you what, cops do. They don't. They don't get what you know, they don't get. No props, man. Stuff they got to deal with. I know. You know, it's not like they're not just normal people. You know, you see that stuff. That's got to stay with you. Yeah, but now by all accounts, the neighbors around the area they considered the Ruperts a pretty nice family. Yeah. Yeah, easy to get along. You know, didn't have any problems out of them. And the funny thing is, when they went to question the neighbors, nobody heard a thing. No, not, not one shot. No, they didn't hear any shots. So, so it makes, makes me wonder if he obtained a silencer somewhere. Yeah, or, or made one or something. Sure, yeah. he wasn't googling nothing in 1975. But no. you know, I mean, you know, that would kind of explain, you know, why nobody ran. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, that many people in in the house, and it's just you know in the kitchen and the living room, two different rooms that you know connect. It's it's really uh, baffling. Yeah, we've got a picture of this uh, crime scene layout. Yeah, that we can post on our social media so everybody can look at. It's a very small house, two story house. It's pretty small. Yeah, and and they're really the houses there were just I mean right together, and so it's not like it was way out in the field by itself or anything. Yeah, you know you'd have heard a gunshot. Yeah. If it had been without a silencer. Yeah. That close, you could hear about anything. Mm-hmm. You think? It's really strange. James was arrested. Yeah. He took him in. Yep. He went to, you know, he didn't, he didn't fight him or nothing. They just pulled up and they got him. And then when they went in the house, whew, Yeah, it was a blood, blood, blood bath. Yep. To say the least. Now, the original trial was held in Hamilton, Ohio, and it was a three-judge panel he elected to have yeah. instead of a jury trial. Right. And he was found guilty on 11 counts of murder and sentenced to 11 life sentences. And the trial began on June, in June of 1975, and prosecutors revealed evidence involving the witnesses who had seen Rupert engaging in target practice and asking about silencers for a gun, his gun and admitting that his mother's expectations were a problem and that he needed to solve them. And that's when um, it was actually in July of 75 when he received 11 life sentences. Right. But. On appeal. There was an appeal. Yeah. And a new trial was granted in 1982. Right. And they were saying that uh, he didn't really understand when they told him he could do the three-judge panel instead of a jury. Yes. And defense attorney Hugh D. Holbrock convinced his client was insane and personally funded the hiring of expert psychiatrists and psychologists from all over the country. Right, so he's he, going to try to get him off the scene. He paid for this out of his pocket. Right. Yep. And on June 23rd of 1982, another three-judge panel found Rupert guilty on two counts of first-degree murder, the murder of his mother and his brother, hmm. but found him not guilty on the other nine counts of murder by reason of insanity. You know, I just wonder if the other, if the these other judges knew that he's going to stay in prison anyway. So right. they just, yeah, I'm not, I'm with you, Donnie. I think, uh, you know, they knew he wasn't getting out, and they definitely gave him the guilty on the it was like two counts, and the other ones they were saying he was uh, uh, insane on those. Yeah, but he he still received two life sentences to be uh, served consecutively. So they knew he wasn't getting out. So I guess they just. Give him the the mother and the brothers, and then all the mm. other ones. They were saying he was insane. Like maybe he went down there to kill them for sure, and then afterwards he just didn't know what to do and just killed everybody. Yep, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And because capital punishment had been suspended in the United States from 1972 to 1976 as a result of the Supreme Court decision in the Furman versus Georgia, and because of the massacre which happened on Minor Avenue, that's where they, their house was, right in Ohio. Uh, had occurred in 75, Rupert could not receive the death penalty for his crimes. Mm. Damn shame. Yep. Now, as of December of 2019, James Rupert remains incarcerated in the Franklin Medical Center in Columbus, Ohio. Yep. And I think it's a unit of the Department of Rehabilitation and Correction. Right. Yeah, he's been up for a parole a couple of times, but it's always denied. Yep. And in June of 1995, when he was 61, he was granted a hearing before the state bar- uh, parole board, but his release was denied. Yep. And he received another hearing in April 2015. His release was denied. But now Rupert's next hearing is set for 
February of 2025. Which he'll be 90 years old. Yeah, so he may not live to see that one. No. Mm-mm. Especially if he's at the Franklin Medical Center. Yeah. And him being 86 now. Yeah, I don't see that happening. If he does, I don't think he'll get out anyway. No, uh-uh. James was mentally unstable. And it, after his father had died when he was young and he'd grown up, you know, didn't have a, a male role model. Mm-hmm. And Chas- Well, he did, but he was whooping his ass every day. Exactly. Locking him in the closet and tying him up and beating him with a hose. But see, what it was, they, in court, they thought that he had murdered for the money. That's what they brought up. And James was set to inherit almost $300,000. Which today would be almost a million and a half. Yeah. So so how does that work, though? I mean, you, I guess maybe things have really changed since then, because now I'm sure if you kill everybody, you don't get the money. But if he was found insane, he went to hospital for a while, for a couple of years, and got out, and he'd been that money had been his. Yeah. But, you know, him going to prison for life, you know, he wouldn't get none of that money. Right. 42 years and the number of failed appeals, James Rupert still sits in a Ohio prison. Yeah, that's where he needs to be. And what he does on Easter Sunday now, no one knows. Yeah, so there's our Easter story. Yep. But we're going to post pictures of all this stuff and let y'all check it out. Yeah, when this happened, it was the deadliest family massacre in American history. Wow. All those people pretty much took out a whole family at one time. Mm-hmm. All but himself. Yeah, the whole family. You know, if we counted up the bullets right, he should have had one left. He should have used it. I didn't think about that, but yeah, he should have used it on himself. Yeah. Oh. All right, but the victims were, Dale, they were Charity Rupert. Uh, his mother, she was 65. Yep. His brother, Leonard Jr., he was 42. Leonard's wife, Alma, she was 38. And then the children, uh, Leonard Rupert III, he was 17. Michael Rupert, uh, 16. Thomas Rupert, 15. Carol Rupert, 13, Ann Rupert, 12, David Rupert, 11, Teresa Rupert, 9, and the youngest one was John Rupert, and he was 4. All in less than five minutes. Yep. They said that, uh, you know, they were all buried in uh, uh, Arlington Cemetery there, not the Arlington, but Arlington, Arlington Cemetery Park. There in Ohio. Yeah, and said that, you know, when they laid them to rest that for the next... Uh, four to six hours, over 400 cars rode by mm-hmm. to see them. Yep. Yeah. But now today, this house, there's people living in that house. Yeah. Yeah. And you can still see the blood in, on the baseboards. Yep. Well, and not in the baseboards, but in the basement where it came through the floorboards. Yeah. I guess on the the ceiling of the... Yeah, where it soaked the through the wood. Yeah. And the woman, you know, she goes outside and talks to people. People come by and she'll talk to them about the house. Yeah, it's kind of weird. To this day. Yeah. She said, you know, it's not really weird to me. It's my house. But, yeah. But, you know, sometimes it gets weird when people just kind of walk up and start talking about the house when you're trying to go get lunch or something. But but this is on Minor Avenue there in Hamilton, but uh, it's been nicknamed as Massacre Avenue. Yep. 635 Minor Avenue, Hamilton, Ohio. And they said on uh, Halloween, it's a pretty popular place to drive by. Yeah. Which that'd be cool. Yeah, if you lived there. Mm-hmm. I'd go by. Yeah. All right, Dale, we're going to get out of here. All right, man. We want everyone to be safe, be careful, and always be aware of your surroundings. Because the next episode could be about you. This is the Crack House Chronicles.
It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.